Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're going to talk some U.S. Trojan football. We're going to talk a little bit about a scandal. Yeah, you know, you wake up in the morning and, oh, look, another scandal that involves USC. Seems to be a weekly or bi-weekly occurrence. We're going to get into that with Dan Weber, beat writer and columnist for us here at uscfootball.com. If you have any questions or comments, please email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Dot com, or you can call 424-254-9141 to send us a text or leave us a voicemail. We appreciate the uh, the feedback you guys give us. And I know you guys uh, send a lot of stuff in, so we want to make sure we try to get to all of your questions. And we'll do that today. We got Keely Yor. She's still back east um, right now, so we were not going to have her on the show today. But I got Dan Weber on the line. So Dan and I will try to break all this down, something we weren't expecting to do today. But how are you doing, Dan? Doing good. Well, I say we can say one thing today. Uh, USC is in good academic company with uh, this scandal. They're not <laughs> out there by themselves. They got all the big hitters in this one. Yeah, and it's funny. My wife was mentioning, "Did you see this yet?" Like, I I got up and uh, I, I went to the gym, and I got back. And when I got back, I was like trying to grab some breakfast. Actually, my my Trader Joe's granola and uh, yogurt breakfast. Um, and I get back, and she's like, "You got to look at this. This is crazy." And she's like, there's like, you know, Felicity Huffman and uh, uh, like the, you know, what I forget the other celebrities name, but like people's celebrities, kids like getting into schools like by, with bribery and stuff. And I was like, well, that's probably going to be USC, UCLA, like NYU, Stanford. She's like, yeah, all those schools. I'm like, yeah, that's if you're going to talk about like celebrity kids or rich kids getting into school for something like that, like those, you kind of knew the schools that were going to be involved. So, yeah, you're right. At least USC is kind of involved <laughs> with, the, with the with a better cl- class of schools around them. I know you could guess also who probably wasn't going to be involved, uh, the SEC. Yeah. <laughs> probably Felicity Huffman not going to pay, you know, a bribe to get her kid into, you know, Mississippi State. Yeah. All right. Well, Is that we... the good news or the bad news? I don't know. There's, but, uh... there's so much news. Well, before we jump into that, uh, I did want to thank Trader Joe's, uh, who I mentioned, uh, you know, having my Trader Joe's breakfast. So while I'm eating my Trader Joe's, uh, the, the granola is really good. So if you ever do, I, I don't know, something I kind of do, the uh, almond butter granola, I mix it with some of their uh, yogurt flavors, and I, I like that a lot. Um, they're they're at USC. Uh, you know, they they got the new one at the University Village over there. Uh, it's great. I have one in Hermosa. Dan has one in Tustin, and uh, love love going shopping there. Uh, it's, it's cool to have this little local market. Dan, I can just go. We can go a couple times a week and pick up stuff as we want. But just thanks to Trader Joe's for being a, a part of the show for the last couple of years. Uh, they've been, they've been great for us. So I, I know you love them too. Yes, I do. And, uh, yep. Uh, I do like your breakfast. I think that's a, that's a good way to go. The granola and yogurt. Uh, very good. Very good idea. Yeah. And then, yeah. So why don't we try that? Um, so yes, this weekend, uh, we weren't really saying much. I'm not sure why, like shotgun was kind of like, he's not advertising things, but, I, I missed practice. We're going to talk about practice too, because I missed Thursday and Saturday because I flew to Savannah, Georgia for our buddy Shotgun Spratling, who, you know, writes for the site and 
You can hear him on the Family Feud podcast and Tunnel Vision. He got married uh, to Megan, uh, his longtime girlfriend, uh, who's awesome. And we had a you know a really fun time down there. And Keely's still down there. She's hanging in uh, Atlanta for a couple of days, checking things out. She'll be back uh, tomorrow or maybe tonight or something. So that's why she's not on the show. But we made an honest man out of Shotgun Dan. So uh, happy for him. Oh, that's great. No. Uh, well, and he got to he got to go back to, uh, I, mean, I think they're both USC people, but got to go back to his native Georgia and uh, a really cool place in Savannah. And uh, so, uh, you know, good work, uh, you know, for Shotgun and uh, glad you guys got there. And I was really impressed with uh, Keely in her stop off in Atlanta, went to the College Football Hall of Fame for a tour and uh, yeah. posted some of the photos and uh, and good work for Keely. She uh she uh, all up on our college football uh, history now. Yeah, great. I think she's had. She tweeted out some pictures and uh, Instagram some pictures. Look like they're having a good time um, out there. So very cool. But she'll be back. We'll do our Tunnel Vision show on uh, we- most likely Wednesday. I think Shotgun's going to be in Vegas for the uh, Pac-12 tournament. So we're going to figure out what we're going to do there for the show. Uh, but it should be fun. Um, well, <laughs> I guess. It's like we said, woke up this morning um, and this was going on, Dan. So the, it's an FBI investigation. Uh, major schools are involved, like you you had mentioned, you, you know, on the West Coast, UCLA, Stanford, uh, UCC, U, USD, University of San Diego. That's where my sister went to. Um, the, the, investig- the name for this investigation is Varsity Blues, which is pretty cool. The FBI has at least has a sense of humor, if you like that um, movie, but- as as normal, like USC is majorly involved in this. Um, you're talking about one of the most senior members of the athletic department, uh, Donna Heidel. Uh, Heinel. She, according to the indictment, accepted $1.3 million in bribes, basically to help get students into school under the guise that they were student athletes. So what ends up happening is, there's a separate committee, typically, and, th- and this was in the indictment, too, in the uh, the court documents, and they actually used USC as, ex- as an example. If you're a regular student going to USC, there's an admissions board and all that kind of stuff. If you're a stu- recruited student athlete, there's a separate uh, admissions committee that would look at uh, at your, at your uh, application and all that. And typically, every head coach gets... You know, a certain number of athletes to you can get them into school that don't have the same test scores or GPA as uh, regular the regular student body. It's easier to get in to most schools and schools like USC if you are a student athlete. So what this scandal uh, involved is people faking, <laughs> for the most part, taking bribes um, and faking that they were an athlete. And then so they could go through this other committee, uh, the subcommittee, where for athletes instead of regular students. And according to the indictment, like I said, uh, Donna Heinel gets $1.3 million in bribes. Uh, the USC's men's and women's water polo coach, Jovan Vasek, is it Vasek or Vak? I don't know how you pronounce it. Vasek. Vavich. Yeah. So he's won 16 national championships. He's the most, he's like the most successful coach in like USC athletics history, most likely because he's coaches both women's and men's. So he apparently took $250,000 for designating two student designating two students as recruits. Well, 
It's um, alleged. That, it's alleged. Right. That he did. All of these are allegations. Yeah. This is according uh, to the indictment. And then for, former USC women's soccer coach, Ali, and it's like Cross Rosarian or something, and, and his assistant, uh, Laura Jenke, they won a national championship in his first year. Um, they were also indicted. They're charged with conspiracy to commit racketeering. I think they had, I think theirs was like $350,000 they had taken for, uh, I believe it was four students. So um, USC heavily involved in this. You're talking about uh, a current, you know, athletic, uh, senior ranking athletic department member, uh, maybe the most successful coach USC's ever had. And then two former coaches that actually won a national championship as well. So this was this was pretty major, Dan, coming out uh, coming out of the gate this morning. Yeah, I mean, we heard last night uh, uh, had worked in Philadelphia, and that an athlete uh, who became a coach at Penn was going to plead guilty and to uh, accepting bribe to get people on the list at Penn, and uh, we kind of thought, hey, why would you know that the FBI be involved in the big deal and all that? having no idea the total amount of bribes is, is alleged to be $25 million in a, you know, coast to coast, uh, you know, program involving Ivy league schools, you know, like a Yale along with Penn and, and then, you know, the West coast schools, uh, you, you kind of have a feeling when something like this happens, USC isn't going to miss out on it because, uh, of the, the money and the attention, and, you know, the, the prestige at USC now that, uh, you know, people want to get their, their kids in. And it was like, uh, I think we talked about this years ago, a few years ago when TMZ started a sports operation in L.A., of course, TMZ in L.A. And we thought, uh-oh, that's probably not going to be good for USC. And when you hit, you know, stuff like this starts happening, you, you kind of almost immediately say, uh-oh this probably isn't going to be good for USC and, uh, and it's not. And it's, uh, <clears throat> it was, a and, and of course the plotter, uh, supposedly who was, uh, who's supposed to, uh, plead guilty today. The man, you know, who figured this all out is from, uh, where else? Newport beach. Uh, so, uh, you know, you, you can imagine it's going to involve USC. Uh, uh so, you know, we're going to see how this all plays out, what everybody says, uh, you know, what all happened today. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see this, hear the stories of exactly how this went down, uh, you know, for the USC coaches. I think one of the, the difficult things for USC right now is I think uh, Donna Heinel is the only administrator uh, indicted that all the rest, you know, the coaches have been, named in this, uh, you know, in, in these indictments, but, uh, that, that she might be the only administrator, uh, of all the schools. Cause, cause the basic theory is that the schools did not know about it, uh, that this was done, um, you know, said, you know, this, this was like a fast one pulled over on the schools and on their admissions committee. But when you get an administrator involved, it kind of is a gray area as to whether, you know, if USC says we didn't know, but if one of your senior administrators was doing it, you know, uh, how di how difficult is that to say, hey, we didn't know at all, which seems to be a, a problem across the board in recent years with USC in terms of people not knowing 
with things going on that uh, somebody probably should have known about or could have known about and didn't do anything. So this is kind of more of the same. Uh, unfortunately, it just came, you know, comes into athletics now. Yeah, uh, Nathan uh, Fenno from the LA Times said he the LA Times confirmed that earlier today uh, Donna Heinel was arrested. Um, uh, so the FBI arrested her. Also, UCLA's men's soccer coach was arrested too, but they confirmed that both those guys were arrested. I think you know, obviously, this is a big deal, but I don't feel like USC's early response too. They tweeted out uh, a couple of things. Let me, I'll pull that up for you real quick. Um, I I didn't really like the kind of response that was, um, that, that you know that they were putting out there. There was a, uh, let me see. So the, like, so the the they said that, you know, that they're cooperating with the FBI and all that stuff, but they had interim coach uh, Wanda Austin uh, send a, a, a letter to the USC community where she called and she underlined USC as a victim in a scheme perpetrated by, uni- by against the university by a longtime athletic department employee, one current coach and three former coaching staff who are allegedly involved in college admission scheme that has been charged by the government on multiple charges. So it's kind of like, I don't know how you can be a victim when you're talking about a senior athletic department person and you're like most successful coach ever. Like that, that's who the university athletic department is. It's not like USC got scammed. Like these are people that you hired. Like these are your like top lieutenants. It's hard. It'd be like the CEO of a, you know, a company that's going under some kind of scandal. Like, Oh, we were a victim here. Like our, my main people did this to me. You know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of weird. Well, you know what, though, that's following up on the theory of the case in the in the basketball scandal, uh, where, again, of the four indicted coaches nationally so far, one of them is a USC assistant who, you know, pled guilty and, and is gone now. But uh, the theory of that case was that these people were, you know, in a, in a criminal conspiracy to defraud the schools. So the FBI and the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office in New York, when they pursued that case, said that these people who were doing the, uh, you know, the shoe company, uh, you know, payoffs and things like that were taking advantage of the school and the school was the victim. So I think USC is playing along with that, uh, that narrative that was, uh, you know, the way they operated in terms of the basketball scandal. But uh, no, none of those have involved a senior athletic department ad, uh, administrator. I think that becomes a different story. If it's sort of an outside person or a shoe company person or an agent or whatever, you know, taking advantage of the school and, you know, making a kid ineligible and doing things that are against the rules, uh, that's one thing. When it's a person inside your athletic department who's been, you know, a co-number two person in the athletic department, for years, uh, that's a whole different thing, I would think. Uh, I mean, I don't doubt that USC is the victim here, but uh, you know, when, you, when it's somebody at that high a level, um, I, I don't know. I don't it's, know how yeah. well that plays. It's hard to play the victim card when you're talking about these are the people that are very, it's not like if it was some low level person, that makes sense, but one of the highest ranking, you know, athletic, you know, members of the athletic department. Uh, your most successful high, you know, 
coach right. and, and, you know, people talk about oh, USC is a water polo school now because that's a program that keeps winning championships all the time. Um, it's, it's just not a good look for this, uh, uh, these allegations. Um, actually, they, and I just saw a tweet, uh, Felicity Huffman, Felicity Huffman, Felicity Huffman was actually arrested too. She's in federal custody in her home. Um, so, and then Laura Laughlin was the other one. So she played aunt Becky, uh, on that, that TV show. Um, I guess she's not been arrested yet, but there's, these are actual, you know, they're getting arrested. <laughs> federal charge yeah. like this this is it, like how does this keep happening to usc dan like it's not like if it was a one-off thing this just keeps happening over and over again it's like i i, I think the thing with usc as we've always said you can't have a better location in a lot of in a lot of ways you know i mean you're open to the pacific rim and you know you've got this beautiful campus and the academics keep you know, moving up and, and, you know, we always used to kid in, in football that USC recruits itself and in basketball, USC should be able to recruit itself and all that. So USC's kind of right there in the, you know, as a big private school that, you know, it's been very successful. It's kind of right in the middle of places where people would, you know, there are a lot of celebrities whose kids go to USC. I don't think we always, we always talk about it. But it, it kind of amazes you when you realize, oh, wow, his kid goes there and his kid goes there and his kid goes there. It's kind of like a place for, you know, kids of, of celebrities to go. I mean, it's not unusual at all. And you're thinking if a celebrity's got a kid that they want to go there and can't quite, you know, get in, is, is, does that make it, you know, an incentive to try to figure out how do I get my kid in? Uh, but I'm never surprised when USC is kind of in the middle of these kinds of things, it's just, that's where, that's what USC is. And that's for the good. In a lot of ways, it's really good to be USC and be in the middle of things. And then there, there's the downside as well. Yeah. Uh, she was, a, so Lori uh, Laughlin was a Aunt Becky on full house. Uh, right. That was the name mm -hmm. of the show. Yeah. And then Felicity Huffman was on like desperate housewives. You probably know her uh, from that. So there's, yeah. So to have this, this is, I mean, it's like, you can't make this stuff up. If this just no. is absolutely baffling. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of keep you up to date on what's, uh, going on at USC. Um, I mean how, you know, it doesn't look like football's really involved much. I, I saw something about potential, like they said someone was like, uh, you know, going to be a long snapper or something, but, um, I think it's harder to do that. Like we know you, you know, everyone on the football team, I think you can kind of hide, uh, a lot of like the rowing, uh, they, they said they were like crew members. Some of the, and it's weird. Like you read some of the the excerpts from the the indictment, Dan, in the court documents. There was like one student who, you know, his parents paid the bribe. They're they're showing like the bribe payments going back and forth, and they they said he was a pole vaulter. They like doctored some photo, <laughs> and then when the, he so the and the kid didn't know like the. Some of the students knew this student that I read the expert didn't know. And they were like, when he was at the admissions, they asked him like, oh, so you're a, you're a track athlete. He's like, no. <laughs> like, And so, and like they, they mentioned this in the indictment where the, and the mom is like, yeah, we didn't, we don't want him to find out. Um, so uh, it's just so weird. Now the some students knew, but there was at least one or two that did not know what was going on. They're just kind of, they're kind of, I would say that's a victim. Uh, even though you get to go to the school you want, but man, they get involved in something they had no idea. Well, you know, the other thing is they've been pretty smart about this. I mean, the people that did it 
kind of knew what they were doing because if you wanted to try to, you know, put somebody on a list of potential recruits, uh, putting them on the women's crew team would be the way to go. I mean, women's crew, they've got a lot of scholarships. Most of these kids don't really get to row. I mean, how many high schools have crew, you know, uh, you know, for women. Uh, and so, uh, there, you know, a lot of college campuses, they just grab people walking across campus and say, Hey, you want to be on the crew team? You look like you might be able to row. And so you could see how you could put somebody on that list and maybe who knows, maybe they, they got there and they, they could row or they would row. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, you, you got to really commit to all the, uh, you know, all the conditioning and the strength work and all that. But if you put somebody on a list and say, Oh, my son's a pole vaulter. First of all, pole vaulting is the most technique heavy sport or heavy individual thing you can do in sports. I mean, it is, you can't fake it. You can't act like you're a pole vaulter. And the other thing would be if somebody said, Oh, you're a pole vaulter. What did you pull? You know, what was your, what was your height? You know, you kind of, there are some measurables in terms of pole vaulting. So I would think that was an amateur attempt. Uh, if you put somebody in as a pole vaulter, but if you toss them on the crew team as a prospect or something like that, I, you know, with all the numbers and, and, the who, you know, there's no Gerard Martinez for, uh, high school crew prospects, uh, to be honest. Uh, and so that would be probably the way to go. Uh, and it looks like they knew kind of how to do that, but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put somebody on a, on a track and field team because, uh, there are measurables involved there yeah. where, uh, where there aren't, uh, so much in, in terms of crew. And then apparently, you know, if you got on campus, you just never go out for crew or go out for a day or, or whatever and, and disappear, or whatever sport it was. Uh, you know, there's no, you know, you don't have to sign a contract that, that you're, you know, all you have to do is be on a list of, uh, of recruited athletes. And, uh, uh, who, kn- who would have thought that that was a way, you know, as much as we know about sports, who would have, and I guess if you were running one of these, uh, uh, companies that was trying, you know, that pa- parents would pay people to help them get their kids into the right schools. But over the years, I guess you could figure out where the loopholes were and where the, uh, you know, where the places were that you could slide in or nobody would check you. And uh, apparently that's what, what happened here. It certainly looks like it. So here's the, the thing. Um, this, a lot of this looks like it was happening during the Pat Hayden era, um, <laughs> which, you know, we've gone on record, which I, and I, I like Pat Hayden. Uh, he was, he was much more personable than like a Lynn Swan was, or even a, a Mike Garrett. Um, but we had stated that, you know, and we both said this, that he's probably the worst athletic director in USC athletic history, you know, and this certainly is not going to help, uh, his, his case at all. He is the one that, uh, <laughs> hired Donna Heinel. Um, he brought her in. A lot of this stuff happened. Uh, under his watch, um, you know, that it's, I, I'm not sure what this really means. I don't think it can be a good look for Lynn Swan either. Cause it's still been going on the last couple of years. Um, you know, to me, it's just like, you want another reason why you should hire like athletic directors that have been athletic directors before. Like this is one of them. I'm not saying if you hired an experienced guy, all this would have went away or wouldn't have happened, 
but it certainly wouldn't have hurt. You know, like it certainly would have helped if you had, if you brought in like, uh, you know, burn from Arizona or whatever, like he could come in and, and see some things are like, that doesn't seem right. Why is this going on? And maybe uncover things uh, early on. I don't know, but this yeah, is just another you know, you reason. Might, you might, yeah, you just might say, huh, I wonder where that money's coming from because we heard some of the, you know, the quote unquote bribes uh, were, you know, fundraising for, for different sports and things like that. And it, it just, there might be enough little things there to, uh, to make you ask, uh, you know, a question or you might find out how much of a help is it if you get on the list of recruited athletes uh, how much does that help you get into USC, for example, or any of these other schools? And if you find out, Ooh, wow, it's a significant difference in how you're evaluated. And when you've got, you know, whatever it is, 10 times as many, uh, you know, prospective students as you've got slots, uh, whether you put two and two together and say, Ooh, that would really be worth it to somebody, uh, to get on that list. Um, you just you need people asking those questions, and if they're brand new to their job, uh, have it, have they've never done it before, and you have one after another after another, you've got you know a whole couple of decades of people who don't know. And I've said this a thousand times: how do you get the right answers when you don't know what questions to ask? And here is a case where probably somebody should have been asking questions and didn't even know that those were the questions they were supposed to ask. They just didn't know. Yeah. And we didn't, I mean, we don't even understand that, but we're not inside USC in terms of, we don't know how much of a boost is it to your, you know, uh, prospective student status, uh, your admission status, if you are a recruited athlete. Those are the kinds of things that, you know, they're not going to give those out. But if you're in US, inside USC, you need to know that. And you need to know then, oh, wow, that would be really worthwhile. And how many of those kids that are on those lists of uh, prospective you know, student-athletes never uh, you know, go out for the sport? You know, is there a pattern uh, in certain sports of kids that are you know, getting the uh, admissions boost and never show up for the team? Yeah. Which would immediately say, uh-oh, what's this all about? But apparently that wasn't happening. No. Uh, one last thing. I don't want to, you know, we don't go too deep in this. It's all just breaking right now. There'll be more stuff coming out. But I got a tweet from uh, Peter Balisha this morning. He said, probably wishful thinking, but this seems to be one of the one of those new president comes in and cleans house type of things. No. And I tweeted back. I said, this absolutely has to happen. So if it, if anything, if you're a USC fan and you – this might be the thing that pushes it over the top that you have to bring in an outside person as president and you have to have him or her, sorry, just clean house. I, I don't know if there's any question about that now, but I, it doesn't seem like there's any other way, Dan. No, there isn't. And I, I think many people at USC would welcome that kind of oh, yeah. uh, cleaning of house uh, and just saying, look, we've got we to start over. We've got to have all different standards. We've got to have you know all different you know, ask all different questions. We got to, you know, you, you have to report to people uh, there and the people you report to have to know what, what kind of standards that they should be setting. And, and, and you just can't keep doing the same old, same old, which, you know, we're not seeing 
for example, you know, USC facing, for example, just like in football, there are some unbelievably significant challenges in, uh, in getting people to go to the renovated Coliseum next year. And I'm not sure we've seen anything that, you know, makes you think, oh, they've figured out, uh, you know, a plan or a campaign or whatever, or, you know, that the people uh, that are, you know, in, involved in that are being challenged or being, you know, said, hey, we got to come up with some new ideas. We got to figure out a way to get, you know, we got some significant issues here. Uh, we got to figure out what can we do? I, I just don't think USC can keep doing the same old, same old and expecting it to work. Uh, and, uh, you know, there are, I mean, unbelievable challenges. Uh, you know, this is a program that ought to be, uh, you know, close to Phil and the Galen Center. I mean, they're the second, uh, they're 11th in the Pac-12 in attendance. Only Washington State is worse than basketball. That, that's just, that's unacceptable. Uh, for whatever you have to, you, know, you have to do everything you can, uh, you know, to make, uh, make that change. And the same thing with football. You gotta, you gotta look at, you know, what are the issues and what can we do about it? And I'm not sure we see that going on right now at USC. I mean, it, it seems like it's, that nothing has changed, that, that we're going on like Pete Carroll was still here. And no, he's not. They're not selling 50-some thousand season tickets in football. You know? They're not selling 20,000. Uh, Things are really changed. And, you know, I mean, what a, what a tragedy if they get the Coliseum, you know, spend $315 million on the Coliseum renovation, and the beneficiary is, is, uh, is the Rams. You know? I mean, it's like, what's the point? Yeah. Uh, the one quick thing, there does look like at least some link to football. Chris uh, v, uh, Vanini tweeted out um, that it was uh, – so there was a player that uh, was trying to get in and I guess wasn't going to be able to get in through football through Notre Dame and Vanderbilt. Someone that like took a – he played a little bit of high school football but like took a year off. Um, but he he got – this player, this, this person ended up getting accepted to USC – through the bribed administrator as a long snapper. So it looks like they were able to get one person in and saying that they were a long snapper, someone that like played a year of football, but didn't do much after that. Um, so, and this would have been going through also through Donna Heino. I, it says through the administrator. So that was, she's the only one that was, was named in the, the only administrator so, listed. Wow. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to oh dig my. into that a little bit more, but there's at least one link to, to football, but it sounds like in those cases, it's not like, those are things where it's hidden from, like the t- they didn't get involved. I, I mean, we don't know, but my guess would be the team's not involved in that because we cover recruiting. We're going to know, uh, you know, that that stuff is covered. So if the football team kind of knew about things, then that would be, uh, and then you might talk about it, it might count as a scholarship, all that stuff for, um, you know, and it would, yeah. t- you know, so there's. You just can't even imagine that happening in football. It's just too many yeah. eyes. That's a, that's the difference with all the eyes and all people knowing what they know. I mean, it's hard a little bit to evaluate. Uh, uh, maybe punters not so much, or place kickers. Long snappers would be the uh, if you were looking for the uh, the weakest possible point in football, it might be long snappers in terms of evaluation and recruiting and what have you. But still, uh, it's just hard to imagine that uh, anybody involved in in a football and in a competitive way 
would be involved with that. And just, it, it's so self-defeating. Yeah. Well, all right, let's, uh, let's move on there. We had, I mean, obviously we had to talk about it because this is just what happens. And when you cover USC, there's just no get away from it. Uh, but spring ball, like I said, I didn't get to see Thursday or Saturday. I guess a little bit of surprise that they went full pads uh, on Saturday. What, what did you, what did you see out of that workout, Dan? I, I, I'm, I'm a little astonished at how quickly they seem to be picking everything up. We're not, and Clay, you know, mentioned this, no busts. I mean, I, I missed the, I think the one flag that was thrown. I had eight, you know, Pac-12 officials for the whole practice. I think they only threw one flag. I mean, they're not, you know, guys aren't jumping off sides. Uh, you're not, put, they're not putting the ball on the ground. Uh, they're not throwing it away uh, with all four quarterbacks, you know, getting a chance and jumping in there. I, I mean, the difference between this spring and last spring, I mean, last spring, you almost wanted them to call it off and say, don't keep, you know, getting, making things worse or embarrassing people or whatever. This spring, they really look like they want to do, you know, what, what they're being asked to do. I mean, the new coaches seem to be, you know, exactly. Uh, Greg Burns looks like a, you know, a terrific teacher. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of guys to work with. But, uh, you know, the, the level of detail there, uh, I mean, obviously Graham Harrell, it just seems like, I mean, the whole, you know, keep it simple, uh, you know, four running plays, uh, we're not going to spend time coming up with brand new plays. We're going to spend time getting perfect on these plays that we have. Um, you know, the, the, the four wide receivers, uh, when you consider De- Devin Williams becomes the fourth guy, and the mismatch that he, you know, presents and, and you've got a, you know, Tyler Vaughn's is, you know, close to, you know, probably a little over six, one, but jumps out of the gym and, and a six, four, Michael Pittman. And then you had a six, five, uh, uh, freshman and Jude Wolf and six, six, Josh Fallow. There are a lot of mismatches in this offense. I mean, it, it, uh, I mean, I theorized last year that they probably couldn't block the run at all. And the only way to was to go this direction, direction, but it looks better than I thought it was going to look. And uh, guys are moving. Everything is going quicker. Uh, you know, the install is quicker, but the players are, 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 you know, quicker in everything they're doing. And they're doing smart things like, okay, so we think in spring, should they be doing special teams? And what they're doing, what they were doing, for example, and for the four kickoff, potential kickoff guy, return guys, but on each return uh, from the uh, jug machine, they had two of the big uh, line blockers dropping into position so that you could cut and that they would, you know, one after another, after another, after another, you got these big guys running in space, turning at the right time, and the kick returner uh, making his cut off of their block. Well, I don't think we've seen that before. I mean, and, and just the idea of getting these guys, these big guys who are going to be blocking on kickoffs, familiar with what it's going to be like to, you know, run backwards and get yourself turned around and not hit somebody in the back and all. And to put that together, it doesn't take a lot of time to do it. Uh, but all the little things, like when they run pass pattern. They have a, a, a running back uh, uh, flaring uh, for a you know possible dump off. 
that's a little extra that just is really a good idea. And it, and it gets you ready for what, you know, what you're actually going to do in practice and what you're actually going to do in games. And it just seems like what they're doing is much more connected to what they're going to be doing. And, um, you know, having the officials there is great. Uh, having guys move full set. I mean, we haven't seen anybody tackle anybody yet. Uh, although they allowed, uh, you know, a, a yellow jersey guy like Talano Hafanga, uh, to go, you know, the whole way. Uh, and he's not supposed to be, you know, really, uh, in contact coming back from his collarbone in a break. But, uh, but they, they are doing things like the ball stripping drills more like it used to be back in the, you know, in the Pete Carroll days. So you get contact on uh, passes and, 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 you know, when they stop a guy running uh, to try to strip the ball, that more looks like contact. It doesn't look like the old thud. Uh, so in so many ways, I mean, they're just, it's impressive, uh, honestly. And I'm, I'm going to, you know, people say, oh, well, we always say it's a, no, we didn't say it was good last year. Last year, nobody said what they were doing in the spring was good and uh, and very little that they they did in practice seemed to be connected to what you what they needed to do but this looks really connected like you could take what they're doing now and and go right you know so for example we haven't seen contact but when you see good athletes big athletes moving quickly in a sport like football there will be contact and they will you know contact contact people how you know they develop in terms of the offensive line and the defensive line in terms of uh, uh you know the real you know power and and explosiveness up front i don't we haven't seen that uh but uh, we've seen them move quicker we've seen them work on their feet more uh with the big guys i really like that and we see the ball come out so quickly on offense that you aren't going to have the same situation in terms of pass blocking because the ball just comes out really quickly. And that's one of the, I mean, the, the genius parts of this offense is, is getting that ball out, you know, that quickly. And they really do. And you're, you're looking at four and five receivers and yet you're still getting the ball out quickly. And I think the receivers know that there's a good chance if the ball's coming to you, there's a mismatch somewhere or there's a breakdown in, in uh, coverage. And you're going to have a chance to not only catch it, but, but to, you know, get some yards after the catch. So we're seeing more emphasis on yards after catch. So, uh, I mean, if you go through that whole litany of things, there's a lot of things you're seeing that, uh, you weren't seeing. And now you are. And you think that's what needs to be done. And that's what's being done. And, uh, and good for USC. I, I, you know, we, we never hesitated to criticize them in terms of practice or the way they practice. So I don't think it's, it would be, I think it would be unfair not to say when they're doing it right. Yeah. Um, one of the, the kind of pieces of news coming out of practice is Greg Johnson is back. So he did enter the transfer portal and what you can do once you do that is withdraw. And he did, he did withdraw. He's back uh, practicing with the team. I think that's a big step. Uh, you know, there was a little bit of a head scratcher, um, you're talking about, uh, you know, certainly a position of need for USC. Um, now USC did have the option. They could have, uh, you know, basically cut him and he wouldn't have been able to come back because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of guys in the transfer portal. I'm not sure where they're going to find spots. 
Um, so for whatever reason, you know, Greg Johnson decided to change his mind and he's coming back and he's back at USC. So I don't know what you think about uh, Greg Johnson returning down. Yeah. I mean, it was weird. Uh, here comes uh, Greg Johnson in, in uh, uniform and helmet and uh, shorts and, and Jersey. And then here comes uh, through the gate, uh, Bubba Bolden, who's taking uh, classes at, you know, junior college here in LA. And it was like, is this really, you know, again, USC, hey, expect anything to happen. I do think the point has been made to USC that there are something like 3,000 players in the transfer portal. There are nowhere near 3,000 scholarships available at all. Right. And the numbers don't so work. Yeah. <laughs> the numbers totally do not work. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. I mean, for Greg Johnson, he only missed the one practice. And yeah. I know everybody was, well, is he, is he still in the transfer portal or not? I mean, <clears throat> and we made it clear, I think, that if you were practicing, you weren't in the transfer portal. USC wasn't going to let anybody practice who was in yeah. the transfer portal. So, <clears throat> excuse me, but he came back on Thursday when Clay wasn't available you know, to the press, and Clay's the only one that can talk about those kinds of things. Uh, the assistant coaches couldn't exactly say for absolute certainty, uh, you know, what was the status. But, uh, but when Clay came back Saturday, he said, yeah, he's not in the transfer portal. So uh, for all those who, you know, really not sure about all of the, you know, the workings uh, of, the, of the transfer portal, if a guy's back on the practice field, he's not in the portal. He's in the portal, you're not on practice field. So yeah. uh, having Greg Johnson was a plus, to say the least. For him, there can't possibly be a better situation for him, especially if you're talking about, uh, you know, sitting out. And it was good to see, and I know there's speculation and, and, and we don't know, but it was good to see that he's, you know, eligible to be out there. And that was a plus. Uh, so from, from a lot of standpoints, uh, you know, that's a plus. Uh, every, way, every way you looked at it, that, that's a plus. So uh, cause that was the good news. And so, yeah, see, you know, is, is maybe uh, it's time for USC to get some good news. And uh, I think there's been a, a pretty, pretty much good news. Um, uh, one of the other things I'm watching is one of the first things they did in uh, this, they did a couple of things in special teams. And I know how we kind of sometimes feel about special teams, but they started off the very first thing they did in special teams last week was coffin corner kicks down to, the corner where the media are and we're kidding like, eh, I don't play, you know, I can see why they're doing it. And everybody's saying, watch out. But the more you watch them, the more you watch this Ben Griffiths. Uh, he's something different. Uh, he, he probably, he's not six, seven, uh, the Australian rules football guy. He's 27 years old, but man, can he control, uh, you know, his kicks. I mean, and, and they kept running successive groups of, of guys, down to the you know inside the five to catch it because he gets enough height on it and i think that becomes kind of again muscle memory where guys just understand how it works and if you've got a guy that can do it i think they've got a chance to to pin people down there but the next thing that was interesting with ben griffiths was he's now the number one holder for the for place kicks so you've got this really big you know and, you know, if you're an Aussie rules football player, you handle the ball a lot and you, you know, have to catch it in a crowd and all that. But he's a real, you know, 
built like a kind of a lean tight end, but very flexible, very athletic. It was really a, an interesting twist watching him as this uh, as this holder, uh, you know, as the first holder. So uh, some interesting stuff going on, and uh, maybe some positive positive things happening. Yeah, uh, positive things are good. You want <laughs> we would like some positive things to talk about. I know some people think, oh, you love all the negative stuff, like. No, I mean, we're tired of it. Like, if you just want something good to happen. We've seen some good things uh, at practice so far. They have the week off this week, so it's spring break. So I guess that's scandal talk and all this stuff now. But then uh, we'll, you know, we'll be back talking with the team and everything uh, next week going forward. So it's uh, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of the three days on and take a you know take a week off. Dan, I don't know what you think about it, but. I think it does help if you've got some guys injured that you're hoping to come back. Uh, it gives them that that week, uh, to, and then you get four weeks straight, uh, you know, to finish up. So uh, it gives you a chance to kind of look at where are you after the first week, and and where does the focus have to be, and where does the you know for the coaches and for the players. Uh, I think it it might work, uh, you know, you know this time, uh, um, you know. I mean, I could see, I could see it, you know, both going both directions. Uh, I think, I think I'll be fine with it this year, uh, just because I think they got so much out of uh, of the first week, and then if if it helps them, you know, heal up a couple of more kids, and and they come in and and go four straight weeks, um, I think I'll be fine with it. But uh, I think they set themselves up pretty nicely. This was, uh, I mean, I think you know, I think the way they're doing it. I mean, Clay is really kind of the enforcer he's kind of the overseer he's kind of the you know the old bear bryant you know guy up in the tower you know uh, and not involved in the in the specifics so much and uh, so uh, it's gonna be interesting to see you know how how this all works but you know you watch graham harrell go up uh on onto the day to deck to uh call the plays when they you know they got in the team puts a headset on and he's I really like his approach because he said well I'm practicing to do what I'm going to be doing in games we got our kids doing what they're going to be doing in games well so am I and so you had the people down on the field who are going to be the you know the intermediaries between uh, between Graham and, and you know the play calls and uh, that's what they're already doing in practice well you know, a lot of teams wait till maybe the last practice of, you know, or the week before the first game before they put the headsets on the coaches and, and they start, you know, getting it really similar to game situation. Graham just naturally did it in the first practice. I mean, it just, uh, and, and that's what he's also trying to do with the offense is that what you're doing in practice is exactly what you're going to be doing in games. And that, you know, the, the, you know, one of the other things you noticed was having two centers that put the ball right where those kids, where those quarterbacks' hands are, really makes a difference to, to allow them to, to do the pre-snap reads and the post-snap reads and not have to take their eyes off of anything uh, is, is, a, is a real plus. Uh, and and it, it's, just, it's just a whole, it's a whole different feel about it. And, uh, and that's a positive thing. I mean, it's, uh, I know it's hard for some people to get past, uh, uh, with the personnel, you know, personalities involved and the coaches and, and what have you. But, uh, you know, if, if we're seeing something good happening, we're going to say it. And, 
the players are, are really responding. I think, I think the new coaches are, are shocked. I think Graham was shocked. I think uh, Jenks was shocked at how much they've picked it, how quickly they've picked up so much. Uh, I think, and maybe it's, you know, they haven't coached kids with the talent that USC's kids have. And USC's kids haven't maybe been coached up. And, you know, that combination uh, seems to be working. Yeah. One of my favorite things I saw, Dan, was Graham Harrell up on the Dado deck calling the plays from there. And when Clay Helton said half of it was unscripted, I think that was just a breath of fresh air. There's too much, I think, that USC just – they would come up with a plan like – three months earlier and then that's what they were going to do no matter what. And uh, I like this, that there's some flexibility there that you're going to come through and, um, and be able to make it more like a game situation. Not that you need that as much in the, in the spring, but I think it gives the players a feel for like, Hey, this is how things are going to be run. It's going to be fast. We're going to get a lot of reps and he's going to, you know, this is what he's going to say. And, and we're just going to go and, and just perform. And I, I feel like that one step alone is going to help immensely. Well, uh, that's the way it is in a game. You have to go with, you know, what's working, what's, uh, you know, what, what you feel. Uh, games, you can try to script them, but games tend to, to not get scripted fairly quickly. And the amazing thing is they are doing better with the unscripted stuff uh, in terms of uh, no busted plays, in terms of not turning the ball over, uh, than they did with the scripted plays. These are working better. I mean, and they're running many more of them. I mean, it, and it's not like when Sark, you know, came in and said, we're going to try to run 100 plays, and they really, really just emphasize how fast can you run plays. It doesn't look like or feel like they're really going real, real fast, but they are. It's just kind of the natural way. It's like, uh, as Amon Ra was saying, that uh, the difference in play calls. Last year, the average play was at least seven words. This year, it's three words. Uh, that makes a difference. And, you know, and then to have the quarterback really have the freedom to do what he thinks when he sees what he sees. Uh, last year, you know, they talked about it. It didn't really happen. This year, I think it's going to, it's, it's happening. And, uh, just the idea, but you, you're right. That, that one word, unscripted, uh, that that was able, because that was a big stable, you know, part of Clay's way of doing things was that uh, scripted, you know, and everything down to just this, you know, we're going to be just like this week, like next week, like the week after, we're going to do everything the same. And that's not, not the case anymore. And, and I think it, it more reflects real football. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into some of these questions and uh, we'll, uh, get you out of here. We got the first one is from Joan. Uh, what does it mean by squadsman lost? Exactly. Pi young lost. Why? And where did he go? Fight on from Joan. That just means they're not back. I mean, uh, I don't know that the FBI is out looking for him. Uh, <laughs> I think they, they could have graduated. They could have just stopped playing football. Uh, it could have been an injury. I think that that covers everything. That covers anybody who was on the squad last year who's not on the squad this yeah. year. I mean, it's it, so it's a multitude of possibilities. But if they were in the book last year uh, and the media guide as part of the not in it this year, they're a squadman lost. Yeah, it's for not like every he's, reason. Right. 
just lost off the roster, not lost in life, going around <laughs> trying to find. We have him. not. Yeah, we don't think uh, he is. But I think, I, I if I remember correctly, uh, Uchenna and Wusu when he missed the spring ball, like what was it, junior year or something? I think yeah. he was off the roster, right? Like they put him as a squadman, and then he came back. So I don't know if there's a chance with that, but um, he, had t- you know, he had taken that break, whatever, you know, for spring ball, and then and came back. Yes, yeah, he did. Uh-oh. Yeah. So we'll see what what goes on with Keyshawn Young. Uh, Michael from Newport writes in. Can you can you uh, please explain the difference in the spring under quote unquote showcase versus last year's spring game? Is this driven by Champagne's? Larry's great media mogul mind. Thanks, uh, Michael from Newport. I believe they called it a showcase last year, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, they did. Because they knew they weren't going to play a game. They got to the point where they said, uh-oh, we're, this is not going to be able to play a game. So, But you're slotted in to TV coverage. And I think USC, and probably will be this year, too, were like the uh, – the day that there are like four spring games in the Pac-12. And I think, you know, Pac-12 needs that programming. Uh, unfortunately, you know, they won't be one of those, since they're not playing a game, it really makes sense. But you'd probably rather be on ESPN, uh, you know, for their coverage of spring games. But the Pac-12, you know, networks can't afford to give up that programming. So they slot you in. And so USC basically has to offer uh, you know, something comparable to a spring game so that the uh, Pac-12 network can cover it and you can open it, you know, to the fans and you kind of show uh, what you're doing and what have you. But, yeah, the spring game looks like it's a thing of the past in terms of anything that's uh, that's really going to be a game. But I think it'll be very much similar to, to what they did last year, which uh, – uh, it didn't make people feel too comfortable as to how things were going. I think this year they're all ready to be. I mean, this is the amazing thing. I don't think I, I couldn't find a single person that didn't agree with practice. One was better than practice 15 last year. This year's practice one, they were farther along than they were after practice 15 last year. It's, it's as different as you could, <clears throat> as you could possibly imagine it. And the other thing that I think is, is is that we have to look at is, are they getting better? Were they better on Thursday than they were Tuesday? Were they better on Saturday than they were Thursday? And they are. And it is building one on the next on the next. You didn't ever have that sense last year at all, that they weren't. there wasn't a building process going on. And there was kind of a reinforcement of, oh, my gosh, are we going to be able to get this right? Uh, what's happening here? And a lot of it, you know, started with uh, the quarterbacks were having trouble with the, quote, system such as it was. Uh, and that, you know, as much as they talked about going run first, uh, the offensive line just didn't look like it was necessarily going to be able to do that. And so, uh, you know, you had a situation where if you're not going to get it done on offense, what does that mean for the defense? And so it was a difficult difficult spring so you can say well they're they're way better than last spring and you say well that's damning them with faint praise because last spring didn't get much done but uh but they're certainly moving in the right direction and it's certainly they're in a different place than they were a year ago for sure agree with you there um eric in duck country 
says, can the tight ends make up for the lack of wide receiver depth? Thanks as always, Eric and Duck Country. And yeah, I want to see what you, how you think they've been utilized so far in the first three practices. Yeah, I mean, we were, uh, I was glad to see they, they had a combined, uh, the first day of practice, uh, with, uh, the four quarterbacks and, and really with, with, uh, a walk up, we're talking five counting a walk on whose name we still don't know yet. Uh, and, uh, so we've got five guys throwing the ball and you're thinking, uh oh, how's this going to work out? And they combined the running backs and the tight end. So basically they were throwing to, I think, 14 receivers. So that worked well. And I don't think they're differentiating a lot in the routes and, and, and what they expect of the tight end. So I've been really pleased. The tight ends were catching the ball more than they did last year. Uh, and, you know, and getting in places in deep. Uh, I mean, you had a route uh, for a touchdown uh, Saturday where you had Josh Fallow and uh, Jude Wolf both deep uh, in the corner, uh, you know, not you know, stepping on one another or whatever, but the pattern or not the pattern as such, but the way the play ended up being run, you had two, you know, a six, five and a six, six guy, uh, you know, deep in the corner of the end zone. Uh, that's a real tough matchup, you know, for a cornerback. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm extremely, uh, uh, pleased with, with what we're seeing, uh, in terms of the tight ends. they're moving them, you know, lining them up in different places, but, uh, but they've got some guys that look like they can, you know, get down the field and catch the ball. And certainly uh, some of that mismatch that you would see with Stanford with, uh, you know, big tight ends that, that can move pretty well and catch it. Uh, USC, uh, I think, going to be able to, you know, do some of that this year. And, you know, you always liked it when you saw Stanford do it. Um, give them some of their own medicine here. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the Stanford medicine uh, that people like. Uh, let's see. We want to talk a little quarterbacks. Um, so tight ends, we talked about. Someone's got to throw in the ball. Don wrote in. He said, I noticed many callers uh, preferred Jack. He's talking about Jack Sears over JT Daniels, referring to his start in which he looked okay. That was Arizona State. I thought they had uh, a more simplified game plan for him, which allowed the receivers to find space. What are your thoughts regarding the game plan for Jack as opposed to JT? Yeah, you're right. That was a, a simplified game plan. They didn't have that much time to get Jack, uh, you know, ready. And I thought that really helped. I mean, I thought that one of the, you know, that and the Notre Dame game are, are two things that pointed out, you know, pointed the direction the game plan needed to move. And uh, so, uh, so I thought that they really helped, uh, helped Jack, uh, you know, that game and it helped, you know, it helped the, the attack and uh, uh, I thought he, you know, really acquitted himself well. Um, I'm not sure that this offense doesn't play more to JT's strengths uh, than Jack's, uh, but uh, I think one of the things you might be interested in. I think JT's lost about seven pounds, and he scored on a on a quarterback uh, you know keep the other day, and. Uh, I think he's moving better. I think he, he, he had those seven pounds he didn't, he did not need. And I think he's, you know, working on, uh, uh, loosening up, you know, tight hips and just working on his own, you know, physicality as well. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but I think, you know, the, the nice thing you got to feel is, you know, Jack could come in and, and win games for you, uh, however it works out. And, the way they're practicing 
it isn't like last year in, in fall camp, uh, I think it was from Michael Pittman hadn't caught almost any balls from, uh, I'm not sure which one it was, Michael Pittman or Tyler Vaughn had hardly had any time on the field. The way practices went, they didn't get any you know chance to be on the field and adjust to one another. Well, that's not the case at all now. All the quarterbacks are thrown to all the receivers. There's plenty of uh, adjusting and reacting to and getting to learn uh, learn the guys. And uh, that was, a, I think, a big mistake last year with you know dividing up the – not going so fast and not running so many plays and dividing it up three ways uh, through most of the fall practice. Uh, you didn't get a chance to get guys who were in the same combinations that were going to be on the field all the time uh, together. That's happening, you know, a lot more uh, this year. But uh, but I think the system's going to help, obviously, all the quarterbacks. But uh, but it might play uh, a little bit more into into JT's uh, skill set, you know, than anybody. But uh, but uh, you know, Jack can uh, can get out on the edge. He can run it. Uh, I mean, they're not going to you know uh, they're not going to do as much read option and things like that. But uh, that his uh, his mobility is never going to hurt him, and he's got that nice uh, you know arm that you throw it deep. Uh, how that all I mean, I, I'm going to be really interested to see how the deep patterns work um, in this in this offense, and how how much you know do we see those, and how how much of an option they become. Um, uh, I, I don't think we know yet how this is all going to work out for these guys, but uh, maybe it in the right direction. All right. Uh, we got one last question and then a couple of quick topics I want to discuss that things that have happened while we're recording. Cause of course things happen. Um, Tom in the South Bay. I don't think he's, uh, he's not really happy with you, Dan. I think he said, I watched instant analysis uh, for the first spring practice and Dan and Keeley were very impressed with what Helton was saying. And they forgot about who is talking. It is the same incompetent coach who got us in this mess last year. You were also impressed by the defense. And you said it was one of the best in the country, and it turned out they were practicing against one of the worst offenses in the country, and the defense turned out terrible as well. Please take the approach of wait and see, and don't believe what Helton says. He is desperate and trying to fool us. Tom, fight on from Tom in the South Bay. He had the fight on in there, so that's good. But. Yeah, yeah. I think all we can do is tell you what we see. I don't think we can predict or promise. Okay, just so don't write it down as a promise. I said last week, don't you know, take your 401k money and hop in a car and go to Vegas and bet on the over. You know, just don't do that. No, please don't. I mean, we don't know how this is going to play out. We really don't. I mean, you don't know, you know, the defense, for example, plays a winning game at Stanford where they get beat 17 to three. Uh, that was an absolutely winning effort. You know, the winning effort against Cal 15, 14. I mean, there were a lot of times where the defense, you know, played a winning game and just said, the heck, we don't, we don't have a shot. I don't know how, you know, so I don't think we can predict that. Nobody could have predicted the offense being as, as just awful, you know, as it turned out. I mean, there were worries, a lot of worries, but I don't think in their wildest dreams, you know, you could have predicted that. But we're not trying to predict. We're trying to, I mean, even last year we said, you know, go and run first in spring last year wasn't a bad thing because a they needed to really work on on their run blocking and b as a as a last spring they couldn't throw the ball okay so you had a couple of reasons to say well at least they're going in the right direction did they coach them up no 
did they get them to where they had to be? Absolutely not. Uh, you know, did they, you know, have all the, you know, the, the problem with the snapping and all of the other issues that they had? Yeah. Uh, and they still could have won four more games if they wouldn't have had, you know, 10 pounds a game and all that. Now, if you want to blame the guy who was in charge and, you know, allowed them to have 10 penalties a game and didn't, you know, didn't come up with a coherent offense and all of that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I thought by the time they got to Notre Dame after the unbelievably embarrassing effort, I use that term loosely against UCLA, um, that was not such a bad effort. Uh, a couple of fumbles really, you know, put them in the jackpot, but, uh, uh, that gave you more of a sense of, okay, what might have been. Uh, and yes, the person that presided over that has to be responsible for, you know, every second of that. Uh, but if he's doing things differently, if they're practicing differently, if he's in a different role, if the offense is completely different in terms of uh, who's running it, how they're running it, what the concepts are, uh, how it fits the talent that USC has, if you've got people that look completely different in terms of the way they're coaching um, uh, the running backs and the offensive line, uh, you've got to say, okay, they're going in the right direction. That's all we can say. Will they get there? We have no idea. There, it's a long, long, long way they've got to go. Okay. But if we, and at times I think because we get to go to practice, we were trying to caution them about, what wasn't happening and what wasn't getting done. In this case, I think we're trying to say you're moving in the right direction. They are. This is these kids are being coached and they're responding to being coached. Last year, they didn't give them enough to respond to. So you you didn't see players get better this week to next week to the next because there wasn't a like a focus of well, what do I have to do to get better? I don't think anybody knew. Uh, this year is pretty obvious what they have to do. And, and with this level of talent, they have a chance if they get better week after week after week. If they don't come in any penalties, I mean, how different would last year have been if they wouldn't have committed, you know, more than a few pen- couple of penalties a game? Uh, just that alone or having a focus on offense like maybe the Notre Dame game. Uh, but they didn't have much of that through the whole year we're seeing that in practice and you know you can say oh they've got walk-ons you know in the secondary and blah 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 i think it's it's what they're doing and how they're doing it that that matters more than you know who they're doing it against and all of that uh but uh but i think it would be unfair not to tell you what we're seeing because uh, it's, it's a luxury very few you know uh programs do you get to see that? So you guys, uh, I think you should probably listen to what we're saying and make your own calls. And, and if the call is, well, I can see they're doing this, this, and this, but I still don't trust them. That's fine. I think that's a, that's a legitimate call without a doubt. Or, you know, they'll, they'll finally get to a place where all the bad stuff is going to kick in from last year. And we can't guarantee that's not, not the case, but I would at least say, well, this is an interesting insight. They are doing things differently. They're making it more simple. They're doing it faster. The kids seem to be reacting more. There are far fewer mistakes. 
there are officials at every practice, and they're flagging drills as well as uh, as, as team uh, practice. That didn't happen, uh, and they're not throwing many flags. And so there are a lot of good things happening. And I wouldn't, you know, I I wouldn't say, oh, those aren't good things because the person in charge, I don't think, can do that. If they're doing it, you know, just accept the fact that they're doing it. How that plays out, we don't know. Yeah. But it's what we're seeing. It's definitely what we're seeing. Um, And I, I, you know, I agree with Dan. Like, I get there's some people that are just like, I hate Clay Hill or whatever. You shouldn't hate Clay Hill as a person, but they just hate him as being USC's coach. That if we say anything good, they get mad about it. But I, I agree. I mean, last spring, we were pretty critical. Like, this don't look like they know what they're doing. Like, this was, it wasn't good. Maybe that did make the defense look better back then. I don't know. But it just looks different this spring. So, it, not saying that it's going to change the world, but it's, it's, it's definitely a step in the right direction. So, we'll see. Um, you know, what happens well, just like when they do the run the passing drills last spring, it was basically if they were going to go to specialty passing, you would say, follow the bouncing ball because more balls were bouncing than were being caught this year. There aren't, there aren't many balls hitting the ground. That was always my, my measure back in the day. You know, what you realized, for example, with Matt Liner's second year by then was, the ball rarely hit the ground. What they wanted to do, they did. And there was a, a, a kind of almost perfection about uh, the way they executed. And, and again, no attempt whatsoever to compare them. But if you compare practices and the ball's not hitting the ground, you know, that's good. And that's what you want. And uh, so that's what we're seeing. It's, it's, Way, way, way improved. Uh, Is it enough? Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. A couple of topics I want to talk about. Um, so according to Ken Fang, uh, who tweeted this out, he said, DirecTV will carry the ACC network when it launches in August. A win for both ESPN, who's partnered with the ACC, and the ACC. So that's that's good, right, for the Pac-12? No? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's what the thing is. Uh, the uh, Big 12, having not had a network, and the ACC in its first year are both going to go past USC. I mean, I mean USC, the Pac-12, with the ACC uh, debuting with a better network situation than you, than the Pac-12. That guarantees the Pac-12 now becomes the fifth conference in the Power Five. And, uh, you know, it started at first when they when they were the first to renegotiate. Uh, with Larry Scott, the first thing he did, USC, I mean, the Pac-12, excuse me, was number one of the Power Five. As everybody else has made their own deals, US, uh, but I keep saying USC, the Pac-12 has dropped to fifth. So they've gone as far as fast as you can go uh, out of the picture. And uh, and the, the thing that makes that really important is with the, the federal uh, judges ruling in Oakland, that uh, that there are unlimited funds, basically, that can be offered to kids educationally. Okay, they didn't allow uh, student athletes to uh, profit off of their image. You can't have a you know a website for you and sell you know stuff and all that if you're a college athlete. 
so that the NCAA still was going to be allowed to limit uh, the income for student-athletes, but it's not going to be allowed to limit any kind of educational um, uh, offers. So, you know, free computers, medical school tuition, whatever. If people want to offer that, and let's say you can't afford to, like a kid wants to go, is between, you know, USC and Stanford, well, I, I guess they're going to say we're going to let the co- the conferences uh, regulate what each conference can give. But if some kids, let's say Vanderbilt offers him and says, not only will we give you four years of undergrad, we will give you, we will pay for you to go to Vanderbilt Medical School. Now, what does USC do if they right. really want that kid? Do they up the ante with a couple of hundred thousand dollars more of a commitment? That's going to be allowed. And that's where the $20 million more that the Big Ten schools are going to generate because of their TV deals and their own network. That's where it's really going to bite for the Pac-12, that they won't be able to generate the kind of money that uh, makes them competitive, even in a a, a limited market where the only thing you can offer them is extra educational opportunities. And how many kids, you know, that at that level, four or five star kids are going to say, yeah, would you pay for my medical school tuition or my law school tuition? That, uh, you know, that may not be as relevant, but in certain cases it might. And uh, whoever has the more money to offer is going to have more of an opportunity to offer that money. Uh, you know, they're, they're, the NCAA is not going to be able to limit what educational, I mean, if, if, if you can say, uh, Every kid that we recruit on this year's recruiting class, we're going to take them to Paris because, you know, it's really cool to uh, walk down the Champs-Élysées and hear people speaking French. Okay, that's could you justify that as an educational opportunity? Hey, okay. You know, can you say they can't do it? Apparently not now. So I'm, I'm thinking they're going to be very creative in figuring out how to offer educational additional educational opportunities to, uh, you know, student athletes in some programs. The, uh, I think it's going to be a big deal going forward. It's just going to get worse. And this is just another blow. Uh, it's not good, not good for USC, not good for the PAC 12, which is just, everything seems to be piling on Dan. Um, one last thing, our, our friend, John Wilner tweeted this out and, uh, I thought it was good. He said, Two FBI scandals touching college sports in the past 18 months, and by my count, only one school made both lists. That school, <laughs> that school recently ousted its president following far more heinous scandals on campus. Oh, and it finished five, five and seven in the South. And so I tweeted, I, re, I quote tweeted and said, is that bad? Um, so, yeah. So USC has that distinction, Dan, of being the only school with both the basketball and the you know, the uh, academic varsity blues. Well, I love that. That's the name varsity blues, by the way. Uh, I'm not sure, John, I'm not sure John is totally, I think USC gets a trifecta because they're the only school with an administrator also. Ah. So we got the trifecta here, boys. It's uh, yeah. So that's just <laughs> kind of, it's just, I mean, just one or two or six of these would be one thing, but there's, there's like, 12 or something. They're just, they're just, they're countless. Uh, Yeah. I mean, when you've got the only basketball coach indicted and the only, uh, 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 excuse me, uh, 
and then you're the only administrator and you know, you've also got football you've, you've lost your president and you've got people on the board of trustees fighting and you've got the doctors who are, you know, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars in lawsuits. I mean, um, man, uh, huh. and, and, and the problem at USC now is we haven't heard anything, you know, from the board of trustees after that big blow up where you had billionaires going after billionaires and, you know, the old guard going after the new guard. And now it's all of a sudden gone radio silent. And yet, you know, has there ever been a school that need to make the right hire and, and make it yesterday than USC? And, and what we're hearing is nothing. Crickets. I mean, it's just uh, got to get it going. Too, there's too much opportunity here at USC in every area to to be limping along like this and 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 not getting it right. I mean, that football, basketball, and baseball are all just headed in the wrong have been headed in the wrong direction. Um, you know, for for enough years that it matters. Yeah. All right. Well, here we go. We'll see what we do. This it could be an interesting spring break, Dan. I thought it would be like kind of a little chill, and uh, this is not a good way to kick it off, you know. Um, uh, yes, a basketball team probably win the Pac-12 and, and make everybody feel good by the end of the week. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they could. USC basketball plays uh, Wednesday night. The only good news is the Pac-12 is so bad it might happen. Yeah, they could easily. Is that win a good it. news story or a bad news story? I'm not sure. They play Arizona first, which normally you think is bad, but that's actually good. And then because uh, they're well, not, they're somebody not good points either. out in the history of the world, have the two teams that played for the championship one year ever played in the first round game as the you know <laughs> the next year? I mean, it's like oh my god. Nice. All right. Well, that's uh, that's Dan Weber. Make sure you check out. We're gonna have Tunnel Vision on Wednesday night. We're not. I'm gonna get a guest. We're not sure what we're doing there, but we'll do Tunnel Vision. We'll have. Uh, more stuff going on with the scandal. Chris Trevino put up a story on the scandal, so we'll have some more on that. Mm. And uh, yeah, follow Dan's uh, columns. I'm going to put up, I still got another story or two from last week, spring, and then I'll put up some recruiting stuff. So we'll probably do a bunch of recruiting this week too. But anyway, uh, th- thanks to Dan. Yeah, I've got a, a, a looking at uh, the uh, Athlon has USC slotted at number 48. Uh, in, in as in their spring uh, preseason yeah. outlook, and so we kind of take a look at how that all breaks down in terms of USC schedule, and you look at some of the names of fifteen of the schools that are ahead of USC, and you just say, this can't be Appalachian State can't be, you know, better yeah. than USC Cincinnati, come on, Cincinnati, hey, yeah. No, no, uh, USC. Come on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> USC. They brought this on themselves, going five and seven. So you're going to get those kind of uh, you're going to get those kind of takes. Um, all right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. That is uh, Dan Weber. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. 
This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.